You are listening to the Work in Esports podcast, a podcast where we chat with people who work in various roles around the esports industry and find out about their experiences. From casters to content creators to company founders, we are here to tell their stories. We explore their inspirations, how they got started, gained experience, and so much more. The goal of this podcast is to help provide context and maybe even offer you some practical advice for how you can get started yourself. So if you or someone you know is interested in working in the esports industry, you're in the right place. I am here with William Whittingham. Did I say that correctly? You did, yes. You did say it correctly. Thank you very much for joining us today, for joining me today. It's just me and you. It is, yeah. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. That's okay. Um, William is the content coordinator at Hitmarker, and he previously did some freelance uh, esports casting, from what I understand. Yep, I used to work in casting. Well, I still work in casting, um, and I used to do production as well on that side of things. Awesome, awesome. Um, what kind of games are you playing these days? Are you playing anything, or are you doing mostly casting and kind of just covering stuff? I, I mean, in the past couple of days, a lot of CK3, Crusader Kings 3, um, because that was just released yesterday, and I'm having a blast with that. Uh, esports side of things, uh, mainly League of Legends right now. Uh, there's not really anything else that has tickled my fancy recently. Uh, I used to play a lot of Hearthstone and Magic the Gathering, um, but I kind of fell out of love with those over the past like six to 12 months. So it's basically just been League for me. Fair enough. I recently, uh, this season, I kind of got back into League for the first time uh, since like maybe 2016. I kind of like fell out of love with it because I was working with it a lot. And uh, But this season, I, I don't know what it was, but I just kind of got back into it. We're kind of enjoying the experience again, which is nice. <laughs> which is nice. You stick with it until that point ends. Yeah, for sure. Until you just hit that wall and you're like, oh, do you know what? I'm actually don't like this game anymore and quit. Which is, uh, it's weird. I've never like hit that wall. I, I've been playing the game for, I started early season two. So about eight years at this point. Um, and I've just never hit the wall of, I don't enjoy this anymore. And I've seen every single person I've ever played with, like all of my mates who I started with, have all taken significant breaks or no longer play the game. But I'm the only person who's like stuck with it through thick and thin. I've been through all the the broken items and the stupid gameplay. But I don't know. I think it's a part of it's just I've never been good. So I've never been good enough for any of that stuff to really bother me because it's like, oh my competitive integrity. But at the same time, I'm playing in like plat, so it just doesn't matter. Interesting. Uh, I think I think uh, for me it was is literally the 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 biggest wall for me was when I started creating like video tutorials around it. I just oh, okay. was like literally working, uh, like kind of creating video content around it, playing games specifically just to get like in-game footage of like certain scenarios. And that kind of took a lot of the fun from doing playing it in my free time. And that's kind of when I started with the BR games, I think. Okay, yeah, I, I can see that for sure. The more time you put into it, in a sense of outside of playing it, um, the less time you can have to play it, I guess. And it's also a case of when I was working production, especially, when that was like my full time, well, not my, I was freelancing it, but that was when that was my job. It wasn't ever a case of like, I'd work in a production studio for a League of Legends event for like eight hours. I wouldn't then want to travel home and play League because I kind of already done that in the day, uh, even though I hadn't actually been playing. Uh, so it's a really weird one in esports where it's like, if you work on a specific game, the more you work on it, the less you can really be motivated to play, I guess. Yeah, definitely, definitely makes sense. Um, but I mean, we're here now. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, working in esports, and so kind of jumping back towards that, was there a specific moment for you where you just like knew you wanted to work in esports, and if so, kind of what was that like? I mean, 
it's it's a very weird one with me because I think for me there was never when I was very like much much younger, um, esports wasn't really a thing that was on my radar. I loved video games from a really young age, and I was always like, oh, I really love games. I love designing board games and stuff, and card games, and played a lot of video games. But it was never really on my mind as a case of this is what I want to do. And even up until the age of about eighteen, I just had no clue what I wanted to do in my life. I was kind of just doing education because I was like, it's fine. I don't need to know what I want to do because I'm just going to be doing school for the next however many years of my life.、Um, Education was always a very big thing of my family. Both my parents have degrees. They're very acad- academics is are important. So my life was plan was always I'm going to do school and then I'm going to do university and then I'll kind of figure it out from there. Which is essentially what I did. I went to school. I did a,、uh, did quite well at school. I went to university、um, and studied politics of all things, basically because I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. And that was one of those you can do a lot of different stuff with your politics degree. Because it just teaches you a lot of skills alongside being kind of interesting,、um, and then I left university with basically the only thing I'd learnt at university about my career was I didn't want to work in politics at all. That was like that sounded awful to me from my three year degree,、um, and it was a case of just applying for stuff and applying for jobs and discovering quite quickly that having a good degree and good education. Meant very very little in terms of actually getting gainful employment. the the best The line that I always used to give people is, "I've been rejected from everyone from Costa Coffee to Goldman Sachs."、Um, I've been rejected from both of those companies within like a week of each other, and I thought it was absolutely hilarious.、Um, but yeah, I was basically just really really stuck. And I'd already I was always loved League of Legends and esports, and I'd been very into esports at university. But it was never something that I planned to do long term. Um, it was just something that I was like, "This is really awesome. I love this. I love the people that I'm working with in esports. I love going to events, but this has never been a、uh, thing on my radar."、Um, until I found there were a couple of esports jobs in London, I was like, "Ah,、oh, well, you know, we、well, might as well. Like, let's just apply."、There's, these are like entry level roles that are the same as I'm applying for elsewhere, but、um, it's just esports, so it's something that I'd love, right? And I think I also kind of had that、uh, rose tinted glasses. On like working esports, you get to just play video games all day, which is a hundred percent not the case at all. But little old twenty-one year old me was like, "This is going to be great,"、um, and I found as much success there as I had with traditional work, which was a weird amount of like very positive interviews. But going into an interview and being told by someone just flat out that you're not qualified for the job、um, is a really weird situation to be in. I know there are a couple of game studios and a couple of esports related jobs. Where I was going in, and they were telling me straight up, like, "Look, the per- the other person we're looking for at this job has 14 years experience, and you have none." And me just sitting there, like, "Okay, that's weird. You're telling me this in the interview. Also, why are you interviewing me if you're going to just hire this other person?" I guess.、Um, but then I think it was the point where I had never really decided. I never made the decision I'm going to work in esports until my first job offer, like I'd actually ever or gotten in terms of a full time job. Was in esports.、Um, it was a freelance opportunity with LVP UK, and I was like, "Well, I work in esports now. This is my life because they're going to pay me, and no one else is at the moment."、Um, and I think just from there, when you're in esports, it becomes so much easier to move around and climb in esports, just because you can go and say, "Look, I've got this experience with this company and this company, and I worked on this tournament." And people in esports know what that means.、Um, And I was very fortunate in my first couple of gigs that I was working at very reputable companies with very big tournaments that people knew about. So I was kind of given a golden ticket in that regard, which is really weird. And it's also a case of 
I never did all the volunteering and stuff that I see a lot of people doing, um, really. Um, and I just kind of fell into a, a freelance paid role, which was very, very secure and very stable for a year. So I don't know. I guess my story is very, very different from other people's in that I never made the active decision. Esports is going to be it for me. And then I never went through those early stages of basically amateur or internships or volunteering because by the time I'd made the decision that my life was going to be esports, I had already got paid experience in it and stuff like that. Very interesting. And did you, um, how, how long from like graduation until you landed that job? Okay. It, it, this was a really weird one. Um, this was endemic of LVP UK. So I applied, I graduated in, what was it? Uh, it was 2018. So mid, middle of 2018, June, July time was when I had my graduation. I applied for a couple of jobs for that just in life, but hadn't heard anything. I think I applied for the freelance role as a throwaway application, like one of like 20 or 30 applications I'd done that week in maybe a couple of months, two or three months after I graduated. Um, and then I heard back in early November was like the first response. And it had been months since I'd applied. So it was a case of, I, I kind of put it out of my mind. For me, the rule was always you wait a month at a month you or after three weeks you send a follow-up email for a job if you really want it and say hey haven't heard anything back is there any update basically unless they tell you specifically this is how long this will take um and then i hadn't heard anything back and i was like okay well this one's dead whatever crossed off my list um, and they sent me back an email basically saying hey have you got experience with this um software that we use and can you work in london and my response was like oh like my response was kind of a uh, sneaky one I, like, I installed the software on my computer and then replied, well, I have the software on my computer. I uh, hadn't opened it before sending that email, but I was like, I don't want to lie. So I'm just going to be the most technically correct I can. Um, and fortunately, I live near, near enough London to commute. So I was like, yeah, this is fine. Didn't hear again for like another month. Um, or it, it, no, it must have been longer than a month. Because I remember I got my first contact back from them when I was actually not at home. I was staying... Uh, with some friends up in Birmingham where I went to university for the League of Legends World Final. We were watching that. Um, and then I what was it? I went home and I didn't hear back for ages. And I heard back with, basically in like January, I think it was, with the, hey, you start next week, by the way. I'd be being like, oh, man, I absolutely did not think I got this job. That's kind of crazy. Um, so I think I was un fully unemployed after university for maybe six months. Um, which was not fun, uh, but in that time I had plenty, plenty of interviews. So I was always very, very busy in that time. Okay. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that time? You said you were really busy with interviews. Um, like how, how many, uh, applications were you putting out looking for work? I think I, I got, I definitely got rejected by well over a hundred companies. Um, in that I used to, I used to keep track when I started my job hunt, I kept track of all the applications I'd made and what stage they were. I had like a big old spreadsheet. Um, and then I'd highlight them red when I'd been rejected, basically. And if we had any feedback, I would like write notes, always ask for feedback, always did. Um, and I'd always write notes. Um, and it was well over 100. It was, um, in terms of interviews, I think I was getting maybe going to an interview every couple of weeks, um, usually in person, because in the world of naughty sports, in the real world, um, companies wanted to meet me in person. Uh, back in 2018, um, early 2019. So I was going to one of those every couple of weeks, whether they were final round interviews or 
preliminary interviews, um, it was kind of dependent. But a lot of them were for non-esports things. So I, I'd worked with a couple of recruiters um, who had like wanted to like get me roles and stuff, and they'd sent me to all of these different things. Um, but they always kind of fell through. It was a very weird situation where everyone I spoke to always spoke very, very highly of me. Um, like recruiters were always very, very quick to be like, yes, absolutely, we want to have you. Uh, we want to represent you because then they get commission. Um, but weird situations would always occur. So there was a time when I went to an interview working as a data analyst at a uh, accounting, a finance firm in central London, like city of London, very fancy. Um, I would have had my own office and all that lovely stuff. Um, didn't hear back from them for like three months. I contacted the recruiter and the recruiter was like, oh yeah, by the way, they kind of, they wanted you, but um, they never got back to us. So we couldn't tell you. And I was like, oh, well, that's a bit mad, isn't it? Like other situations happened. Um, and there were a lot of other weird like things that would happen in interviews. So like, I remember being told that I, I remember being told that I was interviewing at an esports company um, and it was very chilled, relaxed atmosphere. They said, smart, casual, great. So I turned up in my shirt, no tie. I had a tie in my pocket, I think. Um, and like smart trousers. And the guy interviewing me turned up in like yoga pants and like a tank top. And I was like, oh, I have misunderstood what you meant by smart casual. Cool. Um, but yeah, I was, I was always very, very busy with applications and um, interviews and stuff. And I think a lot of it is because I knew how to present myself over CV and resume. Um, but then it was also very much a case of I looked, maybe looked much better than I actually am on paper or looked like I had a lot of experience on paper. But when people would speak to me, it'd be like, oh, like, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a standard graduate, right? Um, and maybe because of the way I presented myself, they thought this guy might have that little extra special something. Um, but then in the interview, clearly, most of them were like, oh, maybe not, um, because I didn't get any of those roles. Interesting. Would you would you say you have any uh, any sort of advice or tips that for other people that might be in the job search as far as when it comes down to interviewing? Uh, any? Um, I think with interviews, it's a very strange one in that I think first and foremost you have to just be honest with into when you're interviewing, um, and I think that it's much. I always thought it was much better to be honest in an interview and get rejected for how you for for who you are and what you want rather than lying and just saying what the interviewer wants. Because it's very, very, I find it very easy to discover what the interviewer wants from you, right? Uh, the, the technically correct answer to a question. But for me, it was always a case of everyone that interviewing is going to know the technically correct answer, right? Um, but you want to be able to stand out from the crowd a little bit. And I think that there are times when if you just give the technically correct answer, you could find yourself in a position where you're in a role or in a job that you don't want to be in. And I've seen this enough in uh, my mates who don't work in esports from university and from school and from uh, just general life. And even some people I know who work in esports, who I've worked alongside before in an esports and gaming setting, where they've come in and they've said this, this, and this in the interview because that's what they want people wanted to hear. And then they've just got to the job and I've been completely fish out of water, like I have no clue what's going on kind of thing, and just like falling behind it being very obvious to everyone that they've kind of embellished themselves or they've come in and absolutely hated the role they're doing because they're basically just like, they're, they're not honest in the interview about what they want from a role. So they'll say, they'll be, uh, the interviewer will be like, well, hey, this is the job. This is what you're going to be doing. Is this, how does that sound to you? And if they said, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I really love doing this, this, and this. And they get into the job 
and they start complaining of saying like, oh, it's really, it's really crap that we have to do this, or it's really bad we have to do this. And I'm just like, but uh, did they not tell you that in the interview? And they were like, oh yeah, they did. They didn't. I'm like, well, why are you, why are you complaining? So I think honesty is really, really important. And I think in a lot of cases where I've spoken to people um, who are hiring, if you can give a good answer that maybe it subverts expectations a little bit to some of their questions, that's always really, really great because they'll be like, oh, they'll, they'll remember you, right? I remember doing it. I was interviewing for a marketing position. This is while I was at university, uh, a marketing position with a tobacco company which is not somewhere I wanted to work, but the salary was very good. And there was like a lot of progression and safety and stuff. And it was in a nice area. And I was like, okay, I'll apply. And I got down to the last 16 for two positions, I think. Um, and I was the only person there who didn't have at least four years of work experience under my belt, which was kind of mad because it was a graduate position. And I was like, well, I'm about to graduate. Ha ha. Um, but I remember sitting down with the head of sales at this company for the whole of the UK. Um, and he was like, Oh, so what do you, what do you think about the product? Like, what do you think about the, the cigarettes? And I was like, honestly, I really hate smoking. I re like, I really, really think it's gross, basically. Uh, and I got told in my feedback, I didn't get the job, but I got told in the feedback, like being honest and like saying this, and kind of then having to explain, well, while I don't, uh, I don't like the product personally, I believe that it is the right for adults to choose how they spend their money and what products they buy. And while I believe there might need to be more regulation on it. That just creates an interesting challenge for marketing about how you'd sell this product. And they were said to me, they were like, this answer was the best answer we heard all day because a lot of our people were just like, yeah, yeah, like it's a great product, blah, 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 blah. But they knew that most of the people there weren't smokers. So they were like, well, how do you know? These people were saying, basically saying, I love your product when they've never used it or anything similar. And they were like, your honesty was really refreshing and you answered really well after the fact. So I think being honest and ha having a standout answer um, it's important. And obviously you don't need to go to every single question with something that's going to be memorable because people might think this person is a bit much, or they might be like, well, you, we obviously want you to give the correct answer some of the time. But I think going into an interview and being ready and prepared and having done your research as well, know the company you're applying to, know your interviewer, if they tell you beforehand, know where they've been and what they do. Um, and being ready for a smart answer can really set your head in my opinion. Interesting. And how how did you kind of go from uh, your previous work to finding your current role at Hitmarker? Well, I was freelancing at the time just in the UK. I was doing uh, observing for League of Legends tournaments, um, which in 2019 was a gold mine because there were very, very few people who did it. Um, the main observer of the time or the couple of main observers at the time who were working freelance in the UK, um, one had just moved uh, pretty permanently into casting. Um, and he was focusing on that side of things. Um, amazing, amazing guy called Ashin. He's now working out in China, casting the main Chinese league out there. So that's really awesome. Um, and another guy had basically uh, just moved to Spain to do um, to have an opportunity, which I think fell through in the end. Uh, but he's now doing very well in mobile game casting and stuff as well. Um, so there was essentially a massive gap in the market for observing in the UK. Um, especially for League of Legends, because the other like the other good observers in the country were all about shooters um, and didn't really know the game or had weren't playing the game actively, um, which is why I managed to get the role at LVP because they were like, there's no one professional who has the who has the skills or has the experience to do this role, so we're just going to bring in people who we like the sound of, 
Uh, and I think it was really, really fortunate that the producer of the show, who basically chose his team, was very, very new himself. This was his first... I think the first show I worked on was his second show um, as a producer. So he had essentially brought together a team of people who in pretty much every position were, were new, because I think it also gave him the ability to like kind of train the team the way he wanted, um, which was very, very, um, which we didn't realize until we worked in a slightly bigger production where he'd brought in some uh, more known and reputable people. And like the clash in style was amazing, basically the um seeing these people who would like who had much more experience than us and had were at full-time production roles and stuff who were just unable to work in the same way that the guys in our room were who had been working some of us for maybe six seven months at that point um together was just uh massively contrasting but i'd essentially done all this but then at the end of 2019 um we discovered that the main uk league league of legends league uh, was moving to sweden um, and they were going to take the castle with them, but they were not taking production because it had moved from LVP to DreamHack. Um, and DreamHack had their own amazing crew, so they didn't need freelancers. They weren't going to pay to fly us out there. Um, so all of, our, all of us freelancers were basically up creek um, with no opportunities. And um, we, were, we were all basically looking for work at that stage. And I'd been in contact with Hitmarker. I'd been using the site for well over a year at that point. Um, I discovered it at the end of university. Um, and been using it to apply for a few jobs here and there um, alongside other gaming websites because back then Hibaka only did esports. And I'd apply for a weekend coordinator role with them um, well, well back in like March, April time of 2019. Um, and I actually got to the final round of interviews and I'd done my final interview. And um, it essentially came down to a decision between me and one other person. Um, for who they wanted to give the role to. It was a part-time weekend position. Um, and I'd essentially, I had to message Rich, um, my managing director now, um, because at the same time, well, before I'd found out about the Himaka, who had got the Himaka role, um, I was offered a observing role with the European Masters uh, at ESL. Um, and it was an amazing opportunity. The money was really, really good. Um, it was a very intense opportunity, which meant I was working a lot of days and because you're a freelancer you get a day rate so i was making a very good amount of money um and i'd basically worked out that in that european masters event i would have made the same money in a month that i would have made at hit marker in that part-time role in four or five months um so i just messaged Ritz saying hey really really great to meet you guys and really really great to interview for the role i still really like the role but i'm unavailable for the next month of weekends um so pretty understandably rich was like that's great we're gonna go with the other person um, which is, you know, completely understandable. Uh, the person they went with is actually really, really talented. Um, is now working full-time for an Overwatch team, I believe, out in America. Um, but I, so they, they already kind of knew who I was, and I was always very much like, thank you for the amazing opportunity. It was really great um, to talk to all you guys and learn so much um, in this. Um, and I'm going to keep my eyes open for any roles um, at Hitmark. And I think I even said something like... Um, I, I said, like, oh, congratulations to whoever got it. I think uh, the line I sent was, I look forward to sniping away any full-time opportunities from this part-timer um, when you start hiring full-time. And Rich was kind of like, ha-ha, yeah. And then they crowdfunded really, really well. Um, and so the stars kind of aligned with me finding out that I was essentially unemployed again with Hitmarker basically hiring full-time people. 
and my mate who worked at LVP with me, um, who now works over at uh, LVL in Berlin, um, sent me the link to the job and was like, hey, I know that you applied for Hitmarker before. They're looking for full-time people now up in Newcastle. And I sent off an application I mentioned like, hey, I hope you remember me. I applied several months ago, but unfortunately didn't get the role. Um, and I think a couple of, no, not even a couple, maybe a week later, I got a message from Rich like, hey, are you still freelancing? Um, like, what's your availability like now? Because of course, I'd basically said I was available and then I wasn't uh, initially. So I said like, yeah, I've got no full-time obligations. I've got no observing obligations in the future. I'm basically, my freelance business is essentially dead. Because um, at that point it was, it came alive a bit later on again. But, and then I think a couple of weeks later, I had an interview with Rich. Um, and was just offered the job pretty much on the spot, um, which was really amazing. So that was December 2019. Hmm. Excellent. Um, that is a that is a fun little back and forth, and then finally you got all the way back yeah. around and um, and came into your current role. Um, as far as your your official title, you are a content coordinator. Is that accurate? Yep, that is my official role. And uh, what is that? What is your day to day comprise of? It's it's very very varied because just because of the nature of Hitmarker, Hitmarker is a. If you look at it from the outside, I think a lot of people do not realize how tiny Hitmarker is as a team. Um, so we've only got seven full time staff currently, um, which for a company that um, is the industry leader in what we do is kind of mad. But um, the content coordinator role essentially. Um, we split our time amongst um, job postings um, where we're basically going out and sourcing loads of jobs um, from various uh, sources and websites and companies. Um, and we have to put them through and um, proofread them, change up the uh, formatting on the job um, postings and set all the sectors and the seniority and make sure that everything works and get all the links that people need for those. Um, and then upload them all to the site, um, as well as going through and add basically moderating all of the user input jobs um, to make sure they're A, of a sufficient quality to go on the site, um, and B, to make sure that everything's correct. Because you'd be surprised at how many companies um, will have very, very minor uh, issues with job postings, even at huge companies, um, which on other sites, it'll, it'll be really funny to see formatting errors that we'll catch and we'll go onto somewhere like LinkedIn a couple of days later and see the same job with that formatting error. And we'll just sit there rubbing our hands like, ha you don't have real human beings doing all your moderating for you. Um, so that's a big part of my job. Um, on some days like today, I, you, we do the social media. Um, so there's a rotating social media team that will um, basically monitor all our social media channels. We're currently active across five, um, but I only work across four because I do not understand Instagram um for the life of me and while i'm pretty good at the other platforms it's just always eluded me uh, how instagram works um and i have a pretty strict at this stage in my life no social media on mobile devices policy um which makes instagram very very difficult because i was having to do it through like um, back-end stuff and having to reset browsers and stuff to get instagram to work so eventually uh, another content coordinator was like i really love instagram leave it to me um so that was kind of the trade we made um, and in that role, you have to basically, uh, it's standard customer service stuff where people message us through 
all of the social media platforms. We'll answer their queries and help them out. Um, interacting with people on there. So finding people who are talking about, oh, I really want an esports job uh, in this area. And we'll be like, hey, have you tried us? Um, just to bring in a couple more users to the site. Um, and also then choosing what we want to um, market to our users. So if we find any really awesome jobs, we'll put them up on social media. Um, all of our social content, of course, with all our videos and graphics. Um, liaising with the graphics, uh, with our, I always say graphics team and video team, it's one dude. All of that is just one guy, which is insane to me. Um, but liaising with him to make sure that everything's getting out. Um, we've got all the right video stuff and doing proofreading on that, and then writing all the copy for our video content. Um, and then basically buffering all that or scheduling all of that. Um, and then I think finally, we got a lot of other ad hoc stuff. So there's a whole lot of stuff because it's such a small team where as a content coordinator, we, you're brought in to assist. So the people who are hired by Hitmarker um, are always have lots of skills that they can use and utilize because the jobs and social media side, there's a very, very low barrier to entry on those roles. They're not the most technically challenging um, thing. And I think there is a definite skill or a definite type of person that can do it because we'll be sitting down and we'll basically be going through company listings for hours and hours and hours to find all the jobs that we do, um, which is something else that sets us apart from other competitors. But it needs to be a kind of person, especially during lockdown and when you're remote working, to be able to sit down and know I'm going to be looking through company listings for the next five hours of my life to find these jobs. Um, but lots and lots of different people could do that. Um, but it's what you bring on top of that, that hit marker, I think we're very interested in. So for me, a lot of my ad hoc time is used um, writing scripts and recording audio for videos, um, as well as organizing and interviewing people for a lot of our interview content. Um, so success stories, company spotlight, um, sector spotlight, um, and like organizing all of that and then making sure that that's all recorded properly. Um, and also doing just bits and bobs as well where um, it's needed. So I've been on several panels for our partners. Um, I'm working on a partnership um, project with a, one of our partners now. I'm taking the lead on that. Um, and then there's a load of other stuff that just kind of, it's not even stuff that people particularly know about that Himaka does. So a lot of my ad hoc stuff's behind the scenes, but we keep up to date a lot of uh, articles on different esports tournaments. Um, and we even have a uh, completely updated game release article, which is a constantly updated article of like what games are being released in the future, like in the next two, three months. Um, so making sure that's all updated and written properly is also quite a big task of mine um, in ad hoc. So that's a very long winded way of saying I do a little bit of everything except software engineering. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, I, I also come from a bit of a content background and I understand um exactly how much kind of goes into it you're a bit of you got your fingers in pretty much all the pies creatively yeah, um for this is not something i usually ask but I'm, I'm very intrigued um do you have a specific creative process like a brainstorming process where you sit down and come up with ideas together or uh with like your other coordinators or by yourself maybe like what does that creative process look like for you and for Hitmarker? it really really depends on the um on the project so because we've got so many different projects and so many different content pieces, um, it's kind of weird with Hitmarker because all of our pieces are essentially just marketing for us. 
But since I've come in, the amount of video and graphics and series that we have going has made us essentially a small content creator in our own right. But it, yeah, it very much depends. So for something like success stories, it's very much now just me sitting down um, and waiting for um, sources, either someone to tweet, hey, Hitmarker, thank you so much for helping me find my job. And I'm like, excellent. I want to interview you. Um, and then just go through the motions there. But with new stuff or very innovative creative stuff, it's it can be very dependent. So currently our content team is four people. Um, it has at times been up to six. Um, but in the world of esports, it's very fast moving. People move on um, and go on to different opportunities and stuff. So it's currently only four. But it really, really depends. So for some pieces of creative content, it will be... Um, I'll brainstorm first. And I think for the most part, I do brainstorm ideas on my own first, just to say like, I'm like, think, what am I passionate about? What can we do? So I think about an objective and I think about a product that I want to create or an idea that I want to see come to fruition. And I think, okay, I've got this list of objectives that Hitmarker need. What does this product answer any of these objectives? Or is there a way that I can change what my idea is to answer objectives. Um, because if you think of something and you think it's really, really cool, but then it doesn't serve a purpose within the context of your company, no one's going to green light that. It's just going to be something that you're like, I want to do this. And everyone's like, yeah, but why? Um, and for me, it's always a case of, I don't want to pitch ideas that don't have a home or that I can't say, we should do this because it will lead to this. Um, and in social media, it's very easy to say, we should do this because it will get views. But the nebulous, it will get impressions or it will get engagement um, isn't usually enough for me, at least, to say this is a good project. Um, so I'll usually do that on my own. Um, when I'm in the office, because um, I'm allowed, we, we go in in shifts now um, in order to maintain social distancing um, and so that our crew don't get um, exposed to anything that could be harmful to them, essentially. So no one who's unable to walk or drive into the office goes in at the moment because we're not forcing our crew to go on public transport and stuff like that um i've got there's like a bunch of bean bags in the office where i'll just like sit on them and stare at whiteboards all day and just like think this will be great this will be great and i pity the other crew that has to go in the days i'm not there just to see random scribblings on whiteboards um and be like what is this this makes no sense to me and i'm like it, it it's getting there just trust me um but yeah, so it, a lot of them will be me initially and then going to the correct person um, and saying, basically getting people on board with an idea before I pitch it. So the last thing I pitched that we've just started doing um, that I can talk about is the uh, a series of videos that are basically FAQs. So we ask our users and our followers on social media, hey, we've got, we always get loads of questions about resumes, drop yours below and we'll answer them in a video. Um, that basically went from ideation. I sat down and I was like, I think it'd be really great to do a, a video just answering questions, either from us or from uh, industry experts, if we can get them on. And it serves a purpose because it answers questions that our followers have, which is a big part of what we do. I have to answer tons of questions in emails and in messages every day anyway. So might as well make a video of the most asked ones so I can save myself some time down the road as well. So it, it was an idea that I wanted to make that solved an objective or two objectives really, because it saved me a bit of time in having to answer questions. Cause I could like, look, we made a video on this. Um, watch that instead of messaging me. So that worked. And I went to 
um, Trev, who was with, uh, working with me at the time um, in the office. And I was like, hey, I've had this idea. How does it sound? And he would, and he would say, that, yeah, that sounds great. Let's think technically how that works. Because um, myself and Trevor worked together quite a lot. Um, he joined, I think, a week after I did. Um, and he's very much the... I'm very much the creative flower who's like, wouldn't all this be lovely? And he's very much the down-to-earth one who says, that would be lovely, but it doesn't work. Um, so when he says, yes, this will work, I'm always very excited because it means that something might actually work. Um, so I went to him and I was like, please make this an actual idea rather than just me scribbling on paper. And he'll be like, cool, this is how we should actually do it. Um, and then when that was done, I talked to our video editor, Laurie, and said, hey, this is what this video would look like. This is what the turnaround would be on the video content. Is this possible? And Laurie always says yes, because it's always possible with Laurie, because um, he's very, very good at what he does. Um, and at that point, when I basically had three people on board, myself, Trev, and Laurie, I brought it to a content meeting. Um, we have weekly content meetings, usually on Monday, where we basically throw around new ideas and discuss what's what's been working, what hasn't, if we need to make any changes, talk about the news that we've had in terms of hit marker and any stuff that we need to action there. Um, and then I pitched the idea there. And once it's been pitched at a content meeting, it becomes everyone's idea, where like it will go from being Will's idea or being Trev's idea to this is part of our content schedule or this is not part of our content schedule. And then once it's gone through that process, it stops being owned by someone and it starts being the job of everyone in the team to do different parts of it. Makes sense, absolutely. What, uh, what is your favorite part of your job? That is a tricky one. Um, I think my favorite part of the job is the interactions that you can organically create on social media. Um, I think that a lot of people see social media in esports especially as, haha, you get to create memes all day and banter about with other company esports pages and other organizations because i'll look at someone like g2 or Fnatic, and they'll see what they the uh, people over there do and say like that is esports social media and a lot of social media isn't that uh, i'll dissuade that myth it's a lot of data it's a lot of writing copy um and waiting for images to be made graphic wise um but some really awesome things where i'll create something or we'll make a graphic or we'll create a video and then people were like, wow, this is amazing. And seeing how people react with stuff is definitely up there. I think another part of my job, which is probably more actively me rather than me stealing credit for what our graphic and video editor does, which is kind of all I do in most days, to be honest. I kind of just steal Laurie's funder. I think we do a, um, so we'll help people with like resumes and, uh, and cover letters and stuff, or we'll, um, answer a couple of questions on message someone and then a couple of weeks later when we like hear like oh wow like i just got my first interview uh, ever from hitmarker and uh, thanks to your help with the cv or i just landed my first role in esports um because you guys helped me out and this is like this was the turning point and they mentioned how amazing my cover letter was because you guys looked through it and gave me all this advice and I've, it, it's, very, it's a very special feeling and it's a very unique feeling in esports to know that we're actively helping people find jobs, um, not just by being the ones who post all the jobs and then finding it on our site and then applying for it, but also helping people who are 
very strong candidates or uh, amazing talents who were struggling to find something just because of the way that they presented themselves on a piece of paper, right? And being able to say, this is how you should present yourself. And after that, you will get, like, we, we are, we're sure you'll find something because of how amazing you are. And seeing that come to fruition is just maybe one of the most amazing feelings. Um, and it makes all the time you put into stuff like that worth it. Hmm. That is really rewarding. Um, what is the most challenging part of your job? I think it's it's very difficult to say what is challenging. I think there are things that I learned in this role that I never had any intention of doing in my life. So I think a very difficult thing for me was basically cold emailing people um, for video content. So I initially, um, when I joined, um, championed the idea of having video content where we interviewed people who we'd helped as candidates. Um, and that was always really awesome. And candidates were always very willing to come on and talk to us just because we'd, they were people working at companies and they were always like, yeah, it's amazing what you guys are doing. This is fantastic. And then we branched out to work with companies. Um, and it got to a stage where I was emailing huge esports firms and being like, hey, would you like to come and talk to me for 20 minutes about what you do? And it, it hit me at a point where I was like, wow, this is like, this is just sales. And I do not like sales. Uh, it like struck me like two weeks into doing this task. I was like, I just don't enjoy this task. And there was very much, it was a very much a weird line of like, when you're posting jobs, say, you are sitting and doing admin and proofreading for four or five hours. And while it's not my favorite thing in the world, I was never like, oh my goodness, this is the worst thing. I would just get on with it, do it, because I knew that was part of the job. But with this, it was always just like, I really hate doing this. Like, I'm just, I, I'm, I, I, hate, I hate my life when I'm asked to do this task. Um, and it, the, the fulcrum of that was I, did, I set up an interview with someone at an esports company, um, a big, big old company, um, set up the interview. And got in and sat down with them. And I was like, right, can we like set up cameras and stuff so we can get this done? And they didn't realize it was a recorded interview. So I was just basically like, oh my word. Like this is really, A, really, really awkward. Trying to do, like try to get someone to do an interview when they just didn't know it was an interview and were not willing to do it at that time. Uh, the, person who, the person I was talking to as well, um, very, very pleasant about it. Were like, I'm willing to do one in the future. It's just, I haven't showered and I'm not prepared to do an interview and I haven't seen questions. Um, so that was like, that was the turning point for me where I was like, I cannot do this task anymore. I cannot cold email people. Cause I'm just, I'm not capable. It makes me feel awful. Um, luckily that's not so much part of my job anymore. Um, just because it was a case of, um, wanting to move my skills elsewhere and do a bit more on other sides a bit stuff that was a little less creative. Um, and also losing a little bit of ad hoc time anyway, because um, we moved on to a different project. Um, and basically being like, hey, can I, I still love talking to people, I still love interviewing, but can someone else basically do the introductions for me and source the, the candidates or the, um, initially it was just going to be source the companies because it was kind of a sales thing. Sales wasn't my area at all. Um, and it ended up being, uh, someone else was like, I'm more than happy to do all this connecting and stuff. I enjoy sending those emails and whatever. Um, so I basically got out of doing that uh, role. But for the longest time, that was definitely the hardest thing for me just because of how 
intimidating it was, I guess. Hmm. Sounds like it could be quite intimidating, and uh, but it's good that you've kind of been able to you know communicate your those things with your team and kind of move mm-hmm. into something more comfortable. Um, what is something that you've learned in the last year? So much. Um, I when I joined Hitmarker, I was basically a blank slate where I'm. I was like, I'm kind of educated, and I'm decent at doing this, this, and this. Um, but I learned basically because I had to learn everything at Hitmarker. I learned so much different stuff. So I learned how to. Um, I learned so much about social media. Um, before Hitmarker, I had like used Facebook and Twitter, um, but even Twitter, I'd only started using when I joined eSports in 2019. Um, but I learned all about um, how to use LinkedIn properly. Um, I learned about eFuse and kind of Instagram, but again, not my forte. Um, I learned so much about writing CVs and um, writing cover letters and resumes and the interview process because I had to learn that stuff so I could give advice on it. Um, and working with the head of content, Cam, uh, who'd been basically doing my job for two years at that point was amazing because he was just a font of all knowledge at all times when I started. Um, and he helped me a lot through there. Learning how to, just learning how to be an adult in an office environment um, was maybe is maybe the biggest thing I've learned because before when I was working in freelance production, it was a very different world to the one I work, live in now. Like, learning that it's not all right to loudly swear in your day-to-day work is like not something that you'd think a 23-year-old would have to learn. But here we are. Um, because in production, that thing stuff's very, very normal. Learning about um, just how offices and how companies work is just not something that I... ever. No one teaches you that at school or university. No one sits you down and goes, here is office etiquette. Um, here is how you work with other people day to day without wanting to strangle each other. Um, and this is how different departments in a company work. No one had ever taught me that. And going immediately from that into production where we were in a, a small side room in a basement a lot of the time um, and could kind of do whatever we wanted because we were production and the, the higher ups didn't know what we were doing as long as a show was on from this time to this time. Um, was a culture shock, but it was something that was really, really important to learn. Um, sadly, didn't get to learn it a little bit more because, of course, lockdown and the world in 2020 um, kind of put a a full stop on that for now, at least. Um, but I think, yeah, just learning how to be a full-time working adult um, is the most valuable thing I've learned in 2020 so far. Hmm. What roles do you interact with most often? Well, I work with obviously Trev, who does the same job as me. Um, outside of that, um, I think I re- uh, interact with a lot of people uh, just because of how small Hitmarker is. So Content Lead Cam and even the manager director, Rich, will often be doing jobs similar to me. So um, Rich t- still does a couple of, like a day of social media a week. Um, and Cam still does uh, posting jobs a couple of days a week and stuff like that as well. So even the like people who are, technically in my bosses or in Rich's case, very much my boss. There's no technically about it. Um, they'll still be in the trenches with me and Trev um, and the, a couple of freelancers that we bring in as well um, to do the day-to-day role. So I obviously interact with them. Um, I interact with Laurie, our creative uh, video and uh, graphic person. 
Um, when I'm on social media, he'll be the person I talk to the most in, on that day because I'll be getting graphics from him. I'll be discussing um, what videos we've got going out that day. And I'll be talking to him about any videos that I've recorded recently and where they're saved and um, sending him over details about people's social media um, and talking about a load of other stuff with him. Um, so probably Laurie and Cam, I would say the most. Cam is a, a genius and a whiz when it comes to writing. Um, and I am semi-literate at the best of times. So whenever I'm writing very important copy, um, so for I, if I'm writing something for a partner or I'm writing an advertisement or I'm writing something for like a big content piece that we're putting out, I'll always run it by him first, just because even though everything I say will be spelt correctly and will be grammatically correct, um, he could always he could always find a way of making a tweet shorter when we need it because the character limit is the most annoying thing in the world for social media managers. Um, but he loves it as like a puzzle where it's, um, I'll send something to him and be like, we need to get rid of seven characters from this. He'll be like, oh, excellent. Let's get into this one. And we'll be like, you can change this word to this and then use a symbol instead of this word and it'll be perfect. And I'll be like, how how have you done this? Like, what what who, what are you? Um but yeah, I think because the hit market is so small, I do interact with everyone quite a lot. The software team as well, to an extent. I think hit market is also kind of weird because our software team is half of it is the founder of the company. Um, but for them, I don't need to communicate with them outside of um, either asking for data because um, they're the ones who can find all the data for some of our shows uh, or asking about, well, I don't have to interact with them on a professional sense. I still talk to them a reasonable amount. Um, but or asking them, hey, this button isn't working properly, or hey, a user has just said that they can't access this page. Is it are they doing something wrong, or is something wrong our end? Um, and credit to our software team, usually it's something like they're on an outdated browser or something like that. But yeah, I think it's it because it's such a small company. I interact with pretty much everyone, um, but definitely people are doing a similar job to me more so than people in other departments. Okay, interesting. I love the, the point you brought up about kind of uh, your colleague uh, kind of really taking to shorten shortening tweets. Like mm -hmm. it is it is pretty much a game like in itself. I, I find myself like multiple times a week trying to do the same thing and uh, I'm not quite as adept at it probably as he is by the sounds of it. But uh, the, the way you kind of worded it as like bit of a challenge or a bit of a game that's it gives me new excitement for tomorrow's tasks <laughs> yeah can you tell me about a like a personal sacrifice or something you've made um to work in esports i know some some jobs are like a little more stressful or maybe you're like on a production day or um yeah just some something whether it's sleep or otherwise any like sort yes. of personal sacrifice so esports is it's a funny old business where things will be it's very dependent on who you're working for and what you're doing so while working in production was some of the best times i've had in esports definitely some of my best experiences were when i was working freelance in production the hours were mad and some companies treat you very well some companies treat you like absolute garbage um and the hours the hours are crazy so when i was working in London on productions, I would leave my house at about midday usually, which you think is great, but it was a two hour commute to get to the studio for me. Um, and then when you think that I wasn't getting 
uh, out of the studio until 10, 11 at night, some nights. And my commute home was harder because trains don't run into little villages in rural Berkshire at uh, one in the morning. I was routinely getting home at well past 1am, which is crazy. And that was with like me having to walk 45 minutes through fields to get home and stuff like that. Um, Moving to Newcastle to join Hitmarker was also a pretty huge um, change in my life. Um, I'd never lived on my own um, before this year. So I'd, I, I went to boarding school from about the age of 11. So I'd, I, I was very independent. I was very like, I'm not getting homesick because I, I did all that when I was preteen. So now I'm good with not being that near to my parents. Um, and my parents were always very much building independence within me so that I would be able to do my life without them kind of thing when I was an adult. But moving to a tiny studio in Newcastle city center where I live in one room um, in a flat and moving away from everyone. I had like, I had no connections in North of England when I moved up here. So I didn't know a single person when I, like the day I moved in, I knew no one in Newcastle. Um, and going from that, um, from where I was very comfortable, I had a lot of friends down South, um, knew a lot of people from esports and from other parts of my life to completely new world, essentially um was was very very tough and i think coronavirus uh, compounded that immensely um it was i immediately after i think it was march or something when the government started implementing uh, lockdown procedures it was very very tough for me because i was in a single room um i discovered very early on that i had been in contact with someone who was covid positive so I had to lock myself down for 40 days in a single room. Um, and during that time, I um, lost my partner of over two years um, just because they were forced to move back to their home country because of coronavirus. Um, and having to do an entire breakup of a long period, uh, a long period relationship over the phone because we couldn't see each other was pretty mad. Um, and in that time, also discovering a couple of people close to me, including my mum, had pretty serious coronavirus as well. Um, and not being able to do that. And while that wasn't directly because of esports, it was like the fact that I took this job was a reason why I wasn't there when my mom got sick. Um, or I wasn't there to have a proper goodbye for my girlfriend of over two years. Um, what, which wasn't why I was able to live in a nice house with a garden and ample outside space that I could socially distance and rove around in. It was why I was locked in a single room. Um, and having to fend for myself, essentially, um, which was very, very, very tough. And while I know that it's a case of a lot of people had it much worse than I did, um, and it's a blessing that I had a full-time job that continued throughout the entire thing, and everyone at Hitmark was very, very supportive of me. And I'm an esports gremlin anyway, so all my friends are online most of the time anyway. Um, that was definitely a, you know, like a huge sacrifice, and it wasn't one that I intended to make, to live this life but it's one i was essentially forced into um but that's how life works essentially at the end of the day and you you can't be too mad at decisions you kind of just have to forge on with them yeah i find um i can relate to 
kind of the feeling, not the breakup so much, but the, the health with, of like family members, like kind of being away. When I moved to Los Angeles in 2015, my mom got sick shortly after, and I was just out there kind of making my way, uh, you know, working in esports and, um, and not being around, not being able to, you know, kind of be there and support her during that time. Um, I kind of relate to that exactly because it was kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's not an expected sacrifice. It's not one you really like, you know, chose, but it was kind of thrust upon you and um, just kind of managing that is, is so complicated. Uh, and I imagine even more so in, uh, in some, to some extent uh, with Corona where you're actually just isolating yourself even further. Um, mm -hmm. At least I was able to have, you know, still engage with my community around me. Uh, in Los Angeles, so yeah, complicated times, man. Absolutely. You you briefly mentioned you said you're in esports. What was the phrase? You're like hardcore esports. I was gonna ask um, if you could tell me a little bit about your like your work life balance, or are you do you have like hobbies outside of esports, or what does your life look like outside the office? Yeah, so for right now, because of lockdown and social distancing and stuff, my life outside the office is video games. Um, that is not really how I've liked to have my life though. Um, because, um, I, I was always taught from a very young age that you had to do a lot of different things. Um, so like my, the amount of times I was able to play video games or even stare at screens was very strictly monitored by my parents. I say very strictly. I mean, it was more, there was one computer in the house and my dad'd be like, yeah, I need the computer now. Sorry, small child. I'll pick you up and move you. Um, but going to school and university it was definitely i would try and do a lot of different stuff um so the one thing that i'm missing maybe more than anything at the moment is football man like i i was a season ticket holder at my local team uh reading go on you roars they're very bad at the moment the club is kind of self-destructing but it's entertaining to watch um i i was i went to their games almost weekly for 10 11 years when i was at home um I live about five minutes walk from St. James's Park here now uh, for Newcastle United. And um, one of the big things and like exciting things I was thinking about here was I could maybe get like some tickets to go see the football when I'm up in Newcastle because it's a really great way of learning about the new place you live. It's by going to football matches there. Because um, you kind of, if you have that passion about the club that you live near or that is local to you, it's very easy to make very quick friends at pubs. Um, by being like, oh, we want to figure the match, eh? We got robbed. The referee was terrible. Uh. Like, it's very easy to make friends that way. Um, but then, of course, the football matches stopped. Um, so that kind of went downhill. But I still try and catch a load of matches whenever I can. Um, I've always been quite a big sports guy. Um, you wouldn't know it looking at my lockdown physique. Um, but I played a lot of sport at school. Um, so I used to play football, hockey, and lacrosse uh, for my school. None of them particularly well, but... I was I was always out there, and it was something that I did even a little bit at university. I uh, did some sports, um, but that was always a part of my life. I enjoy going out and just like browsing shops, and just like going to like old bookshops and secondhand stores and stuff, and just finding stuff there, um, which is always quite a fun hobby. Of course, again, not so I've been able to do too much recently because I'm limiting how much I go out and about. Um, because it, it's still, we're still in the danger zone over in the UK and I don't want to contribute to anything in that regard. So I do keep myself at home or at the office as much as possible. Um, 
cooking is a big one is a fun hobby that i've kind of picked up a little bit more in lockdown it's something i've been able to do um i live in a weird situation where i do not have an oven so i have to be quite inventive with how i m prepare meals um but i've enjoyed that as kind of a challenge of like okay i have these appliances these small appliances what can i what cool things can i make in this situation um with just what i have so that's been a very fun one but yeah i think i, I obviously i love video games i play a lot of them but for me, it's so much of trying to keep my eyes off screen uh, a decent amount um, and kind of give myself time to separate myself from that. Because when you're working full time in esports um, and then maybe three days a week casting, where you're also basically that you're going, I, I on days go from straight from work to a sound check for a cast, which is another three, four hours. Um, so when I don't have anything on, just stepping away from it all. And even in a case where I can't physically step away from my computer too far because my apartment is tiny and I can't go outside because, or I don't feel that confident going outside because um, there's nothing really, there's not any events going on and um, I don't want to be putting myself at risk. Um, just having other stuff. And I think I mentioned it uh, a little bit, but that's why like, I just do not have social media on my mobile device anymore just because you need to take time away from that kind of stuff. Um, there was a point where I was like, this is so unhealthy that I will, I will get off my computer. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to bed guys. Um, turn off discord, have one last check of Twitter, one last check of Facebook and then go into bed. And immediately when I get into bed, I'll be on my phone scrolling Twitter. Like it's just so unhealthy and unnecessary. Um, but since then, um, it's been much better. Oh, and I read a lot. I do a lot of reading because um, books are fun and you can, they're like movies and video games, but people think you're an intellectual when you talk about them. So hmm. that's always a good one. Are there any uh, any good books or even bad books? Any books you've been reading lately that you want to share? I'm, I'm a bit of a weird one. Um, I read a lot of like theology and stuff currently. Um, so I'm one of those rare Christian people in esports. So... There aren't many of us around, uh, I can tell you from working in production. Um, but I read, a, I, I don't know, I read a lot of different stuff. So I'm currently in between reading, I'll usually have a couple of books on the go. Um, so I'll usually, I'll have one in the bathroom for when I'm going in and doing my business. Because before I'd used to take my phone and my iPad in there. Um, and then I was discovering like, I should not be sitting on the toilet for four or five minutes watching Avatar. So I, I was like ba total ban on all electronics in there. So I'll have one in there and I'll have one next to my bed. So currently next to my bed, I have Moneyball, which is the famous baseball statistics book um, and how they changed the game there. Um, and I've always been very fascinated for, is there a stat in esports, especially stuff like League of Legends that we haven't discovered yet that will revolutionize the game. Um, and in my toilet, I currently have... Stephen King's On Writing, which I've read a million times. Um, I find Stephen King uh, immensely interesting. Um, not only as an author, but also as just a person. Um, and as someone who's always kind of toyed with the idea about writing my own, like a book or something like that, um, reading about his process and kind of his life intertwined with that as well, I've always found very interesting. So that's kind of my like mindless reading when I'm out and about but Moneyball is the one I'm like sitting down and like laser focusing on. I also just finished The Shack, which is a kind of fictional 
book about someone who meets with God after their daughter's murdered, which is, as you can imagine, a, a real feel-good read. Kind of pivoting a bit, do you have any tips for people looking to network with others in esports? Yeah, okay, so this is, I think the problem, okay, with networking, I should preface this with, it's such a subjective thing. Um, and the way that people give advice is always very based on what would I want people to do for me? And I know that this advice will not even be shared with people at Hitmarker, um, for some of them. Um, but I think with networking in the esports, you'd be surprised at how willing a lot of people are to just talk to you. Um, if you get in contact with someone and just say like, Hey, I'm, this is my situation. This is where I am. Um, do you have advice for me? Um, a lot of people are willing to give a lot of time for people. Um, for me, the gen, I think the two rules are, um, don't come at it sideways. Don't come at it and try and camouflage your intentions. Um, because I'm here for, I'm not here for small talk with someone. If they're dropping into my LinkedIn DMs or dropping into my Twitter DMs, if they, if you want to ask me about, um, how I got into casting, or if I know anyone at this com company, just say, Hey, hope you're doing well. I was wondering, do you know this person? It's so much easier than doing the hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, what are you up to right now? Like if I don't know you. I don't need to have that conversation, I guess. Um, and it's kind of just a, a lot of people will come at it with the, it, yes, it's polite to ask how someone is, but like, if you're coming to talk to me with a specific purpose, just get to the purpose. Um, and then if, if I know you, or if like you're someone that I talk to a few occasions and get acquainted with, then we can have that conversation after what you've come to talk to me about. Um, so I, people I know in esports will often be like, Hey, I know someone who's trying to get into casting and this gig, do you have any recommendations? And I'll give my recommendation. They'll be like, so how are you doing? Like, is everything good? And then I'll be able to hit back with like, yeah, this is the actual like human conversation bit. I have one of those conversations today with someone about a casting opportunity. Um, but also if don't build a relationship with someone in order, just to network, um, I'm always very against people coming to me on multiple occasions just because I know someone or just because I work at Hitmarker. So if you want to, if you want to, if you want Hitmarker to help you, or if you want to re like someone to look at your resume or whatever, as a company, the company will do that. And you don't do not need to be a friend of Hitmarker to do that. Um, but when people message me and will like talk to me for a couple of days and then be like, oh, by the way, how did you get this casting opportunity? Hmm. I'll be like, A, you're direct competition, so I'm not entirely sure I'm going to be like handing you my opportunity. Um, second of all, I don't want to just be, if you're trying to be my mate, I'm not just going to be here to answer your questions about esports. And there will be people, there are a couple of people who in my life have like been very chummy with me. Um, but then the next like five interactions with them have just been, Hey, I saw that there was this job opening and I know that you know someone there. Can you put in a good word? And it's like, I'm happy to do that for a friend, but if that's all I am here for you to do, then I, I don't like, we, I'm not here to help you basically. Um, it's so much, I think the key, the key phrase is you have to be authentic with your networking. If you're never going to something just to 
um, gain an upper hand or to gain a step up because people don't like being stepped on. And you can kind of do that with organizations. So you can do that with Hitmarker. You can ask, hey, how do I find a role in esports? Or I have a question because that is our job. Our job is to help you. But don't slide into someone's DMs at 11 p.m. Um, to ask them about X, Y, and Z and to like feign caring about them in order to just then like throw a bunch of questions on them. Um, if you want to be, if you want to be someone's friend in esports, be someone's friend in esports. And occasionally, yes, everyone in esports talks to each other. Everyone will have, there will be opportunities for that person to help you out. Um, I know that I've helped people with resumes and help people find opportunities who I'm friends with, but never just be someone, never approach building a relationship. I guess it's, I guess it's just be authentic with your thing. If you're just there to ask someone a question, just say, Hey, I'm here to ask you a question. This is the question. And then get on with it. Don't pretend to, that you want to be someone's friend. And if you want to be someone's friend, do not just build that relationship to network. Um, know what, know what your objective is in a, um, in an interaction or within a relationship with esports and make sure that the other person, A, knows that that is the interaction and knows that the objective and B is down for that. Because there will be people who you'll slide into DMs and say, hey, I've got a question and they won't answer you because they're not interested in helping. But I think that there are surprisingly small, I think there are surprisingly large number of people in esports who are willing to help. And I think that there are surprisingly large number of like reasonably well-known names or people in companies who are more than willing to give even students and people who are very new to the industry a lot of time to help them out in that kind of thing. I find that very much the truth as well. I think that just about everybody, not everybody, but just about everybody I've met who, you know, obviously who has time uh, is willing to put some of it towards actually helping people or networking, you know, kind of connecting via social media. If it's, if it's what you say it is, you know, if it is, they're not looking to, to respond to somebody who has that, hey, how's it going first message? Because that doesn't, I mean, we've had no connection before. Why, why would I engage with that? Um, Absolutely. And yeah, it just, it has the underlying tones of you want something from me, but you're not willing to say it in the first message. <laughs> Even if the first message is like, like a paragraph, okay, but at least you give me the, the gist of it right off the bat so I can decide. Oh, one more thing as well. This is really crucial. Know the time zone of the person that you're contacting because we ain't cl like, true story, we ain't close enough for someone to be calling me at 2 a.m. that I barely know to ask me a question about an esports application. It can wait until morning. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds like a, a personal story there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not exciting. Someone was just from America. I'd helped it a couple of times um, with some advice. Um, didn't know them that well, but it was kind of like a, I was very willing to help them. And they were like, oh, thanks so much. Really nice. And they were very polite, very friendly about it. Um, and then they called me at 2 a.m. And on Discord. And at that point, I had Discord on my phone. And it started ringing. And the light went on and it woke me up. Um, and I hung up, went back to bed. And then in the morning, they got a very intense message from me like, by the way, check what time it is in the, in the country that the person you're calling. Because goodness me, it was not a business hour for me here. And they were mortified, to be fair, so they were so apologetic. But uh, just check, just just check where they're from, basically, and what time it is for them. Um, because I know there are, in, within esports, I think it's kind of rare to have people who are like 9 to 5 or 10 to 6 or whatever your, the company's work hours are. Uh, I think it's very easy for people to 
put put aside a couple of hours or like if someone contacts them to help them out of business hours but if it is sleep time in the country you're calling don't i, I would even i would even veer against messaging someone emailing yes because it's a professional thing fine but don't message someone on like twitter or discord at that time uh, particularly because while it won't affect me because i will no longer get notifications of that until the morning um I know people who have been woken up by Twitter DMs at three in the morning and stuff like that. So um, just avoid that as like a common courtesy, I guess. Yeah, I could probably wait till morning. You know, I can wait till daytime mm -hmm. hours. Is there anyone you look up to in esports? Oh yeah, like a ton of people. So it's very dependent on what aspect of my life um, I look up to people. So um, I've always been very weird in that I have, from a very young age, never understood this, the idea of celebrity. Um, so, for example, with me, I went to a League of Legends World Final in 2015. So I was 19 at the time. Um, and I met, a, I, like, I, met, I met a lot of people who, at the time, and even to this day, are very famous within the League of Legends casting scene. Um, and I kind of was just like, I treated the whole thing as kind of a joke where I was like, Hey, do you know where this person is? Who like was objectively at that point, not very famous at all. Um, now is quite famous. Uh, Yamato Ken from, uh, who's a coach in League of Legends. Um, and it was kind of a joke. I was walking around saying like, do you know where Yamato Ken is? And I was asking people who were very famous where he was and they would like, be like, Oh no, sorry, I don't. And then I just walk off. I'm like, Oh, sorry. Like, never mind, and walk away. And it was like walking away from people like freak and people like that were like, Oh, it's just kind of like, I'm just looking for this person. Like, I don't mind if this person is a celebrity or not. I'm just going to ask them, hey, like, do you know where the person I'm looking for is? Um, so for me, it's always, I, I look up to people who either I respect immensely for what they're doing or what they've done. So um, Phil and Rich Huggan, who I work for now at Hitmarker, immense amount of respect um, and adoration towards them um, because of what they built with Hitmarker. Um, and while... I, I, I have no desire to do the same. So I have no desire to build an esports and gaming job site or a business in that ilk. Um, just seeing the way that they've gone about it and the way that they interact with the esports community is, is very, very inspiring. Um, as a caster, I have massive um, respect for the casters who are just above me on the ladder. Um, so while they're obviously amazing casters like Quickshock and Medic, um, I think for me, it's always been, they've been a little bit too far removed from where I am to um, be, for me to like look up to as it were, because they're just in a different league. They're doing a whole different thing. But um, for me, it's people like uh, Hip Rain and Munchables and Orcs who are all doing full-time casting and are working really hard, but are like at a level where I'm like, if the stars aligned in like three years time, maybe I could be where they are now. Um, and massive amount of respect because um, for people who, and I think also just a amount of respect for people in esports who have always respected the little guy. I always say like, I, I always have massive respect for people who tip the waiter. Um, and in esports, that's like always being good to the people in production and the people who are like runners and stuff. Um, and always just not being too big for your boots kind of thing. Even if you are talent, even if you're the highest paid person on a show, um, the people who are willing to sit down with people who are doing the the lowly stuff or sit down with the intern um, who um, 
who are always like the good people. Um, so massive amount of respect for anyone like that. And the name that springs to mind most readily is uh, Chronicler. Um, Maritz Musen, who is a uh, Dutch caster. Um, but like he is the, not even in just the terms of esports and the terms of what he can bring as talent. Um, and incredibly talented guy is currently casting European Masters at the moment. Um, but just as a person and being able to give up so much of his time to help people who, or to talk to people who are maybe paid well, are paid less than him and are like doing a more menial job. And it's always being polite, always being friendly, always being ready to like talk to people. Um, just a massive amount of respect for that. Um, and yeah, so I, I think those are my main ones in terms of esports, just like, but yeah, I think for me, it's always looking up at people who are above me and at an attainable level or people who treat other people in esports right. Mm. Do you have a dream role uh, in esports? <sighs> it's difficult. It is. It's tricky. I think I'm a very realistic with my dreams and expectations just because uh, it would be very easy for me to say, like, I'd love to cast the LEC. Um, or I'd love to be a full-time caster or full-time host um, at esports events. But the market is so saturated. Um, that kind of thing is a pipe dream optimistically, I think, um, for someone who, at my level who it does, does fine in terms of freelancing and does fine in terms of occasionally being able to pay rent with my casting money, but definitely wouldn't have a flat if it was my only income. Um, I think... Being in a, I think being a creative at a an esports uh, tournament, so being the kind of person who like um, creates how a show looks and um, decides like the themes or the um, like the, the the general genre or tone of some of a show, I think that'd be a really really awesome job. Um, that is more attainable, I guess, um, or even in pie in the sky. And I'm in no way qualified to do this. So it'll be a lot of work. Um, working on like narrative and game design for like a game. So working on like the writing and world building and lore of something. Um, I, I always think it would be really, really awesome. I play a lot of like Dungeons and Dragons and all that stuff. Um, so I've kind of got a brain for all of that. Um, but those jobs are not that common. And there are lots of very talented people in those areas. And even if it's entry, there are a lot of people who are exactly like me who want to do those jobs. So I think those are like the, those are the, the dream roles. But for me, like my short-term dreams are just essentially to do what I'm doing now, but at a more senior level. Um, because I, I love what I'm doing now. Um, and for me, if it ain't broke, I'm not going to try and fix it unless there's a really great upgrade somewhere else mm. kind of thing makes total sense I like that answer um how would you recommend someone gain experience in esports you you talked a little bit about how you didn't you know really have an internship you didn't do like the free roles or like the the unpaid mm. roles or anything like that you kind of jumped straight into like a paid job um but I imagine you, you used some of the experience that you had previous to that, um, like whether it was at university or, um, or, or just in life in general. How do you recommend mm -hmm. someone gain experience um, if they want to work in esports? It's, it's a very difficult one. Um, the, 
the volunteer conversation and the unpaid internship conversation is so, so tricky. But I think from where I'm sitting now, I think working, volunteering and doing uh, or an unpaid internship at a company, I think that realistically, it's a very good way of putting some experience on that CV or on that resume. But you have to ask yourself if you're a student or if this is, if you need money to pay rent or to buy food, you should not be volunteering or doing an unpaid internship because they will not give you the money that you need to pay that rent. Um, and while it sucks to hear that, it's kind of just a case of that's how the world works. You do need cash to survive. Um, and we can talk about the efficacies of that until the cows come home, politics degree, by the way. But um, if you have the ability, if you're, especially if you're someone like a student, volunteering is not the worst thing as long as you are getting out as much or more as you put in. Um, there are a lot of sites and a lot of organizations that will basically just bleed you dry of time and energy and will not be worth it in the end. So if you're, let's say that you want to be a social media manager, that's your dream. You want to work for a, you want to work for G2 as a, uh, or uh, Excel or Fanatic as a social media manager. Um, you should be looking out for esports organizations that are looking for social media managers. If it's paid, amazing. But if you have zero years of experience, you're probably not getting a paid role in social media management. Like, in all honesty, like that is very unlikely. So you should be looking at organizations that have a, a reputable, so not stuff that was created five minutes ago and has zero Twitter followers uh, and no logo. Um, and you should be looking, and um, when you've joined an organization, you should be saying to when you are hired or when you're brought in, what am I gaining from this? What, what skills am I, what am I learning, right? Because even if an organization on the service seems great, a lot of times it can just be a case of you've been brought in now go do our social media. And if you're not learning in that process and you're not gaining anything tangible from that process, there is no point you doing that work. Um, because for me, if, a, if a, I, whatever I'm doing at here, Mark, I'm being paid for it. So there's always a reason to be doing something. Um, but in a volunteer role, if you're not as a social media manager, say, learning how to use tools or learning how to manage social media um or if you're not gaining great um something great to write on your resume i.e i was working for six months in an organization with ten thousand twitter followers and it grew by 20 percent while i was there um then the opportunity is kind of not brilliant and i think if you're looking to work and live in esports working at this org that has 17 followers on Twitter, um, people are going to know that that isn't the best experience kind of thing. And they're going to know that like, oh, so what you've done is you've tweeted twice a day using TweetDeck. Um, and there will be, and, and the thing in esports is there will be so many talented and passionate candidates for every single role that you apply for, pretty much. Um, you can be the perfect candidate on paper for it, but you still might not get it. So finding a great volunteer opportunity um is good and i think it, i think you also have to come to a point where when you've got some experience you need to start looking for those paid opportunities um 
and be realistic with I am worth something because you can jump from volunteer role to volunteer role if that's what you want to do. And if you've got a secondary source of income or you're a student and don't need to be earning money in that way, then it's absolutely fine to do so. But if you've been doing social media for four years for an organization, four years of social media experience is really good. And that is the amount, like that is more than enough to get a paid opportunity or to be valuable in that way. So it's it, it's very, very challenging. And I know that there are people who say, your time is always valuable um, and that you should never do volunteer work and that people in esports will look to exploit you because sadly that is the case. A lot of people in esports are out here to make a quick buck and to exploit people. But I think it can be very, very valuable. And you've got to remember that being paid a wage isn't the only thing you can gain from all opportunity. Absolutely. Just knowing your worth and being able to, um, being willing to make the effort to really kind of fight for uh, that worth, especially like you said, like after you've been doing something for so long, I think it's a, it's doesn't really come natural for most people. I think it's, uh, it's a practice. You have to put it, you have to really want to do it and then kind of step up and do it. And then other people will recognize your value as you do that. Um, and if you're speaking to people who, um, you know, who are respectable for the most part, they will respond positively. They'll say, okay, even if they can't necessarily meet your expectations, like price-wise or something, they're, they understand where you're coming from. They understand you need to make a living. And if somebody is kind of coming back at you like, yeah, right, good luck with that, um, then they probably don't have the right attitude. You probably don't want to be working with them anyways. Absolutely, absolutely. If people are if there's someone who could give you a good, uh, if someone can give you the salary that you want, but won't, you've got to ask yourself what that person's motivations actually are. And there will be plenty of organizations that say, hey, sorry, we know that you're, we know that you value yourself at this much, but either A, we don't value you at that much. Because there is a, there, a lot of people in esports do ever value themselves. Um, they'll be like, yeah, I did four, mo uh, four months of social media, therefore I'm worth this much an hour, when that's not really the case. Um, and then orgs might be like, well, we'll value you at this much, or sorry, we can't afford to pay that, but we can afford to pay this. Then there can be a back and forth and you can, at that point, it is your decision whether you walk away or you take the lower amount. Um, but I find it much better, um, to, if you know what you're getting yourself into and you know the organization. Um, so if you know that there's an organization who's paying their players X amount of money or they have X budget or they've just made a good amount of money from investment or have sponsors. If, a, if an organization has sponsors, you've got to ask yourself realistically why they aren't willing to pay their backroom staff or aren't willing to pay their social media manager. Um, because at that stage, you've got to wonder like, there's we know that there's money here. And yes, a lot of it's going to have to go into the players to be competitive because it's esports and they're the commodity. But it's just like football, right? Yes, the player's going to be making ludicrous salaries that the physio probably isn't. But the physio isn't volunteering for exposure, right? And the, the meme of esports bucks and exposure in that way, it, it's a meme because it's prevalent. Um, and you've got to, yeah, you just got to ask, is the exposure worth the sacrifice in money when I could be getting that money elsewhere, potentially not in esports? Hmm. 
What's the uh, what's the kind of like filtering that you guys do, the filter process or something at Hitmarker to kind of weed out like any sort of really like red flagged uh, organizations or people kind of just trying to freeload or something like that for new jobs? It is a tricky one um, with uh, Hitmarker. So uh, the the big thing for us is that we do not, if your job doesn't pay, unless you're applying it directly with us unless you're like putting it through for moderation on our site it's not going onto our site um, so there are a couple of companies that will be on places like linkedin or competitor esports specific uh job boards that are fine for them but we will not touch with a barge pole because we'll we'll see mad stuff like people who are asking for eight years experience for a volunteer role Nuh-uh. that's not how that's not how that works um so they will go nowhere near our site um, with the ones that are uploaded to our site, um, we do look at the we look at the company and the organization. Um, we look at what they're offering and what um, they can offer. And in a lot of cases, it is just a case of it being a small org that's been made by a couple of guys in a bedroom, and they're like, "Hey, we've got this team that's competing in a tournament. We'd love for someone to do a um, to run our social media on like one night a week." And we're not going to be able to pay you because uh, the org isn't going to make money, but We'll, uh, we've got this bit of social media tech and we're, we'll give you credit for all your work and stuff like that. And in those cases, it is a case of like, yeah, this is like, it's a volunteer role, we'll put it on. Because like, they're being very clear and honest saying, we're not paying, but, or there'll be an organization that says like, hey, we're not able to pay you, but we will be able to get you, like take you to this event. And we'll be able to, um, you'll be working alongside our team of volunteers who um, we'll be able to give you a lot of experience and you'll be able to share knowledge and stuff with them like that. And in those cases, uh, it's usually fine. Um, but it'll be something like if an organization says we can't pay you yet, but we've got exciting things coming in 12 months. Let me tell you a secret. They probably don't have exciting things coming in 12 months. Um, or companies which will be like, um, this is a volunteer role for the first year and then we'll look to bring you on full time. And you look at their socials and they've got 12 followers and you're like, mm, will you? And it, it, it is a case of like, there are so many, and I think it's very easy if you read job postings for people who are genuinely for volunteer roles, people who are genuinely just looking for an entry level person to help them run their social media or an entry level person to help them out with um, uh, managing a team. Um, and being very transparent and honest about what the role is. Um, and you see that a lot with um, charities and nonprofits as well, um, and in talent, so like casting, coaching, where these orgs will be like, look, we're not able to pay you, but this will be, we think this is a great experience, and this is, what, this is exactly what you'll be doing if you want that. And as I see, people, if they are black and white about what they are asking for, if it's down on, in words, um, when people apply for that, if you apply for a role that specifically says this is not paid, but this is what you're doing, and you get the job, you can't really then complain about not being paid to do that job kind of thing. Um, but where companies try to hide that the job isn't paid, even at times will say stuff like, um, I've seen so many jobs that are listed as freelance but with emphasis on the free because they're not paying you. It's absurd. Um, stuff like that will reject because that's not this is a volunteer role come back when you list it as such um but yeah it's and it's all moderated to make sure that like we there are some companies in esports that we don't post from because we've heard 
the horror stories about them kind of thing. And with a lot with some companies like you'll hear about bad stuff that happens at huge esports companies, um, but we'll still post from them because either the company has made a real attempt to fix their ways, um, or it's such a huge company where like one horror story from one studio for an eight studio company can't be we won't then like take down a hundred jobs from them because of that. Um, although we will be mindful of that in the future. But if it's like a startup where four of their employees have said, this is a terrible place, they don't pay you properly, blah, blah, blah. Then we will do some research into that. And there have been companies where if you said, look, we're not posting jobs from you because we know that you've taken advantage of people before and you're not going to use our platform as a platform to do that. Yeah, that's a, that can be a problem for sure. I've, I've come across a, a couple um fake reviews on glassdoor i don't know if you've ever used glassdoor it's like the um yeah yeah we use that reasonably often if um if we hear something about a company um or it's a new company to us we'll usually check out reviews for it just to make sure that it's um reasonably well reviewed yeah um but yeah like okay yeah like occasionally you'll see stuff like the fake review stuff like um it's difficult to if there's just one negative review of a place and you're like, hmm, there's one negative and like 17 positive. <laughs> I don't like. I don't know whether this one is true or not, and it's very difficult yeah. in that case. But if there's somewhere where like seven reviews and they're all one star and they're all saying similar stuff, that's when you kind of know. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's important to really just kind of protect yourself um, and take on roles that you're able to do. Like you said, uh, don't take on unpaid roles if you can't afford to. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely. Is there, um, can you tell me a little bit about how you personally or professionally calculate success? I think for me, it is, it it very much depends on what avenue um, I'm looking at. So for my, for Hitmarker and for my role there, content coordinator, I'm very much a cog in a larger machine with Hitmarker. So I'm, I always get very happy when I see like I posted a meme and it's done reasonably well. It's got a few likes on it, retweets, people are enjoying it kind of thing. But for Hitmarker, it's the satisfaction of seeing something grow and something develop that does so much good for the community. Um, and it's very weird and rare to see in esports because the while esports is quite old, like it's, it's, it's a reasonably old industry now, if you sit back and think about it, there's still stuff like Hitmarker, which is very standard in other industries, having a job board specific for legal, the legal industry or the finance industry is very, very common, right? But having it for esports, it's it's kind of good to see that we're the people doing it the best and that we're helping the people the best. Um, and I think you can see that in the way that people respond about Hitmarker. I don't know if I, I've never heard anyone really say anything negative about Hitmarker as a brand and as a product. Um, so that's always a massive success to me and seeing the growth. So when I joined Hitmarker, I think we were on, um, we were posting maybe 30, 40 jobs a day. Um, we were getting numbers. The numbers of total jobs on the site were like a couple thousand sometimes. Um, and now sitting here seven months into my time at Hitmarker, we're currently sitting on about 8,000. 8.2 thousand jobs and routinely like hitting 300 jobs a day found um and the growth there is mad like the sites had a complete overhaul 
Um, we're putting out so much more amazing content. And even though I'm not directly responsible for all of that stuff, seeing that I'm a part of this growth and that ideas and things that I've ideated and stuff that I've been involved with is helping with all that is definitely a mark of success. Um, in stuff like casting, where it is more me versus the world, um, and it's my own project, um, success for me is defined by just general growth in um, my brand and what I'm able to do. So, like looking back, like I'm always looking up and being like, "What could I be doing next? What's my next goal? What's my next aim? What's the next league I want to be casting in?" Um, but I think when you're doing something like casting or something like coaching or management in esports always be very willing to look backwards over your shoulder to see where you've been because it's very easy for me to sit in the third tier of uk league legends as a caster and be like i believe i'm the best caster in this league why am i not doing division two but then like look over my shoulder and be like well six months time i wasn't good enough to do this league or six months ago i wasn't good enough to do this league or 12 months ago i would have laughed at you if i um if you told me that i was going to be casting for money someone's going to pay me an actual like amount of money to talk about this video game or i'd love i'd love you he said like by the way you're going to be offered a cast which is going to be in front of twenty thousand people or you're going to be on the bbc casting um so for me like personal success in that way is what i'm able to do and seeing the improvement that i've made over my career in that even though career is still a weird way of putting a hobby um, but yeah, for my for hit marker in the main part of my esports life currently, it is about seeing the platform grow. And if I'm doing well at hit marker, but the site wasn't doing well, I don't think I'd feel very good. Um, and on the flip side, if I was doing really horrifically and wasn't contributing, but hit marker was doing well, I'd also feel kind of like, oh, I don't want to be carried. Um, so working at a company that's doing so well and being a positive impact on that um is to me success hmm are there any tools programs or methods you use to kind of stay organized or reach your goals um, i'm a big proponent of the spreadsheet um for me it's i i spreadsheet my life so i have calendars for like what i'm doing so i know when i'm available to do stuff i have budgets so i know how i'm doing financially um with Hitmarker, we use a software to do, to basically calendar and schedule all our stuff so that we know what people are meant to be doing on what days um, and daily check-ins to make, uh, since we've gone remote, uh, we've been doing daily check-ins. So we're like saying like, hey, today I plan on doing this, 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 and this. And sometimes you won't, will not reach all your targets. So today I had five tasks I said I was going to do, um, but then an extra one popped up and something took me a little bit longer than usual. So uh, I didn't get something done, but I'll get onto that tomorrow. Um, but in terms of just like, as a general career thing, I don't have like a long-term strategy. Um, and even with stuff like budgeting and stuff and finances, where it's super important you're on top of that. Um, and I keep very good track of my finances. It's not like I have a long-term plan in mind with that. It's just more like, so for work, it's like, have I done everything I set out to do today? If yes, perfect. If no, why didn't I? Um, but I don't have like, I'm not sitting here thinking, what do I want Hitmarker to look like in six months? Or what do I want my input at Hitmarker to look like at six months on that level? Right? You're always looking ahead and seeing like, 
do I want, like, what do I want to be doing in five years time? Right. You always have like a kind of inkling with that. But again, with like finances, like as long as I'm saving money and I'm not like hemorrhaging, I'm not looking at how much money do I want in my bank in two years time because I'm still young. Right. And in esports, a lot of people are still young. And I think it's very easy to say like in, uh, I I've just joined this role. Now I'm looking ahead to the next thing. Um, if you get a job in esports, brilliant. Be in that job. Be in the moment with it. Um, and yes, I'll be planning what I'm going to be doing on social media in the next two days for Hitmarker or whatever. But I'm not looking for more opportunity. I'm not looking for a new job. I'm not looking for more opportunities in that way. Because if you've got one foot out the door, if you've got one eye on something else, um, then you're not going to be doing your best work in the here and now. That's lovely. Um to sum it up, kind of a little bit, um, how would you recommend someone find a job in esports? Know what you want to do. Do your research on what areas you'd be suited for based on your skill set um, or what role you want. If you're looking at, you can look at it in two ways. You can look at it in what skills you currently have and what they could translate into. That's very good if you do not know what you want to do or you're just one of those. I want to work in esports types um, because then it can be a case of I want to work in esports and I've got two years in customer service. Then it's a case of excellent, go on to hit marker and type in customer service as your sector and uh, intermediate as your level. And then these will be the jobs that you could do. On the flip side, if you're a bit younger um, or haven't gone to university yet or are just finishing college um, and are looking on to what you're doing next, look at what you want to do and you have and you have what you want to do in mind you're like i want to be an analyst i want to be a business development person or i want to be a caster look up what you need for those jobs what kind of skills you need and then work towards building those skills because it's very easy to say i want to be a team manager for an esports org without fully knowing what that entails and what organizations are looking for and then you can start working towards what those companies will look for. Um, and do not be afraid as well. If you want to get a job in esports, a great step in getting a job in esports is getting a job outside of esports. Because if I'm looking at two candidates that I, and I was wanting to hire one, and there's one who's got four years in experience in the thing I want, but not in esports, and the other person doesn't, I'm probably hiring the person with that experience. So... Do not be afraid and don't be, I, I would say, don't be too strict on I will only want to work in esports because working, if you want to do, if you want to be a marketing person or that's your skill set, working from a marketing for a normal company, an esports company on the day to day might not actually be as different as you think it is. So yeah, absolutely. Bringing, bringing in that kind of the skill sets, the experience from elsewhere is, is very valuable. Will, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Um, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to do so. No worries. Thanks very much for having me. Glad to have you. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Work in Esports podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a follow and let us know who you might want to see next on the podcast. Thanks and see you next time.